1: Buckeye Talk is about to
0: begin. Hey, 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 come on in.
2: Welcome back to the big Wednesday Buckeye Talk from Cleveland.com. Douglas Maurice, Nathan Baird, Stephen Meems, and man, again, talk about being wrong in a podcast. Get ready for two hours of wrong. We're going to predict where all the Buckeyes are going to be drafted in the 2021 NFL draft. You, the people who do this for a living, I went through Dane Brugler at The Athletic, who is really good at this stuff, Ohio guy. Pro Football Focus, PFF, they're sort of group seven. And then Chad Reuter from NFL.com. They all did seven-round mock drafts. I went through their seven-round mock drafts to figure out. Part of it is like where guys are going to go. I think the most interesting thing here, I would do Vegas betting lines just on the order that the Buckeyes after Justin Fields will be drafted. These, these are like draft experts the the range of order they don't have anybody there's no agreement of those three guys on who the next Buckeye off the board will be there's there's zero agreement on that and there are guys there's like a guy who somebody has as the the first Buckeye taken after fields somebody has in there and then there's other people have him as the seventh Buckeye taken in the draft this year there are there's a guy who somebody has as like the Third guy taken, somebody else has him seventh among the Buckeyes. Somebody has a guy who's, they have him as the third Buckeye off the board. Somebody else has him as the 10th Buckeye off the board. This middle group after Fields of Pete Werner, Baron Browning, Josh Myers, Wyatt Davis, Tommy Togiai, Trey Sermon, and Sean Wade. And then if you assume, and that might not even be a right assumption, that then Jonathan Cooper and Justin Hilliard are kind of after that. So there's one guy at the top. There's a huge mess of seven guys in the middle and then two guys kind of at the end. It is fascinating. So, you know, we're going to like say, Hey, I think this guy's going to go 93rd to this team. I mean, yeah, what do we know? But the idea of the order that we come to of who we think will be drafted, you know, I think this will be the second Buckeye taken. This will be the third. That is what I really want to hone in on to some degree. And we did ask the texters about that guys. So Before we jump into all that, if you guys didn't listen to it, the Tuesday pod was all about Justin Fields. We're going to ring in and buzz in and say when we guys are going to be picked for all these other nine players. We did that with Justin Fields on his own on Tuesday. But Nathan, there are kind of two aspects of the Justin Fields draft situation that we didn't really cover. We sort of talked about football, which is great. I'm glad we talked about football. But there is the issue of Justin Fields having epilepsy which may or may not factor in at all to how he is perceived as an NFL draft prospect. And then there is the issue of Justin Fields as a black quarterback. And you wrote about that for Tuesday. Other people have written about that. This is something that percolates under the NFL draft. Sometimes it percolates right through the middle of it. And sometimes idiots are throwing it in your face and splashing you with it because they are so clearly judging black quarterbacks differently for whatever reason that there are still people who do that that has reared its head specifically with justin fields in some ways that i think everybody kind of knows what we're talking about so let's get the epilepsy thing discussed first because you sent out a note to texters on tuesday morning if you guys want to be part of the text subscription 614-350-3315 14 day free trial news analysis, fun, recruiting, all kinds of stuff in there. You said on a note, basically said, hey, we didn't really talk about epilepsy. Don't forget about it. What did you want to remind people of?
1: Well, I wanted to do two things. Number one, I think a lot of times our texts can be very full of factual information. This was not me reporting something. This was me saying, uh, people have asked us, our texters had been asking us like, you guys, come on, did you guys know about that? And like, you were just, you know, keeping it a secret or whatever. And We didn't know. I didn't know. I don't believe anybody on this podcast knew. And I haven't heard from anybody on the beat that this was like some kind of an open secret that everybody knew about. Um, Now, do I think it was probably more known throughout college football and certainly throughout professional football? Probably. I'm sure they knew about it at Georgia. Ohio State's coaches all knew about it. I even theorized that maybe even a place like Penn state where he had committed before, maybe that's a conversation they had had with them. So it might've been a thing that was kind of known out there. And that's why Justin Fields had to bring it up to these NFL teams. So we probably would have done it on his own. But I just said that if, if it's a, if you think on your draft card, all things being equal, if you're an NFL team and you think Trey Lance and Justin Fields are essentially equal, then maybe this could be the thing that tips who you decide to pick. And that's just one of the other things that adds into – we were talking yesterday about how if things play out the way people have said they might, which is Lawrence 1, Wilson 2, maybe Mac Jones 3rd to the 49ers, then it gets tricky because then you've got Lance and Fields, who many people see as very graded, very similar. And whichever one of those doesn't go next, the other one could fall just because of positional need following that. So I think it's it's one of those things where I don't think it devastates his NFL potential. Probably doesn't even – necessarily cast him out into the night as far as where he could be taken on draft night but i think it is it it, could be a tiebreaker for an nfl team i think an nfl team would uh, probably be doing a disservice not to say they considered it
2: medicals always come up because there's one thing when like you're going to college but now it's a job interview and like you're they put you through a physical and they check everything so like this the fact you know, I think you might be right. I also think, obviously, Ohio State knew, Ryan Day knew, but I also think, you know, when well, you're 18 and you're 19 and you're getting recruited, I don't know. You know, like, I don't, who knows? But this is the kind of stuff. Well, he that was comes already
1: out. at Georgia. He was already at Georgia, probably having to do medication, and something. So I assume that Georgia knew. Penn State was more of just like a speculation yeah. on my point.
2: But this is, it. this is, medicals come up. Things always pop. There's always a couple guys where sort of like new medical information gets out. Um, because it's such a thorough process because millions of dollars are at stake. So that's just a thing to think about. I think you make a reasonable point. It might be a tiebreaker. And I like how we keep saying like, well, if Mac Jones who's clearly worse than Trey Lance and Justin Fields gets picked ahead of them, then it gets complicated. It's like Mac Jones, who is average if when he gets, because if it's just between Justin Fields and Mac Jones, I mean, my God, anybody with eyeballs who would pick Mac Jones, we don't really mean that except we do mean that. Go ahead.
1: Well, I just reading the mock drafts again this morning the new ones that have come out like every single one of them has justin fields being taken like fifth among the quarterbacks but they all like all of them are like he's Q- qb2 on my board but this is where i think he'll get taken I and mean, something doesn't make sense
2: so we we again go back and make sure you listen to the tuesday podcast for justin Fields. second thing justin Fields is a black quarterback um trevor lawrence is white zach wilson is white mac jones is white trey lawrence, trey lance and justin fields are black i can't believe that this is like still somehow a thing, but there is a particular kind of draft analyst that says things that are clearly influenced by race. And it just is like, how, how much do they hide it when the, the, the code words they say, and it's ridiculous and it's stupid, but I think we would all be silly not to acknowledge that it exists. Now, I don't know how much exists. I'm not going to give NFL teams an out. I don't know how much it exists in the NFL, because those are people putting their jobs on the line, and like if that's how you think, man, you're just gonna get fired because you're gonna pass on like really good black quarterbacks that are gonna help your team. So like I, but there are ding dongs who analyze stuff out in the world. Quote analyzing quotes, analyzing quotes, analyzing quotes. Say dumb stuff, and Nathan, it's there. So it explain to the people what you wrote. We'll talk about it a little bit, and then we'll get on to our draft stuff. But we have to address this.
1: Yeah. And I I think you bring up a good point that there is a difference between how we talk about the draft. And by we, I specifically mean us. I specifically mean just sort of the NFL draft analyst industry talks about the draft and what NFL teams actually do. I mean, we've gotten to a point now where three of the last six NFL MVPs are black quarterbacks. The four highest paid players in the NFL in 2021 are going to be black quarterbacks. It, it that part of it doesn't seem to be as big of a problem. Obviously, Steven, you should speak to this, um, additionally because you know, my you may have a different perspective on this, but that part of it doesn't seem to be as much of a problem, especially because, as you're saying, if there were some team that were allowing race to be a factor in the decisions that they make like that, other teams would exploit it, and maybe that is happening. But I thought it was interesting, I talked to Daniel Jeremiah and I, um, from NFL network last week. And I brought up that I asked him this question. Like it was, first of it was like, why do you think this information is getting out there about fields? And do you, it was, it was a very two-part question. Uh, And do you think race is a, is an issue in these evaluations? And his first part was that, you know, you know, sometimes it's just one by one guy who has a bad experience with a player. Sometimes it is misinformation as an analyst, you've got to take it all in, vet it, spit it back out in, in the correct context but the second part of it kind of surprised me he said you know i he was an nfl scout for eight years he said that in the draft rooms he was in that that was never something that anybody ever brought up not that they probably would these things tend to happen more covertly and and it, it's even more it's not even as sinister as that sometimes it's it's an it it's the inherent bias right it's like the 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 what's the word the implied bias it's not the it's not the out, the outward bias it's, it's, it's institutional biases. systemic racism exactly yes, yes.
2: coming r- coming to a head Correct. in the nfl draft process by and, people by people who would tell you i'm not racist right and who but, describe black quarterbacks as athletic and white quarterbacks as smart
1: or, or saying that they you know famously saying you know lamar jackson needs to switch positions and then a year later he goes out and wins the mvp i mean things like that like that's still and daniel jeremiah said you know i I never heard it but i i guarantee you it was going on and i thought that was an interesting kind of eye-opening remark so again is it is it happening in such a way that it is holding black quarterbacks back in a way that it once obviously very very obviously did when when it used to be that you could not get drafted as a black quarterback and they made you switch positions and those guys were not getting any opportunities at all. It's, I don't believe it's to that extent. Does it definitely still affect the way that we talk about certain players? I can't, I can't hear a plausible argument that it doesn't still affect how we, how people in general are talking about players, how, how the, the consensus sometimes talks about players and you, what's come up with Justin Fields and, how he can't read defenses or doesn't read defenses correctly or fast enough or whatever is not the things you're hearing about white quarterbacks who play in more quarterback friendly offenses.
2: Okay. There. I I, I think I would say that it definitely influences how people talk about the draft. I think my guess would be, it is less of an influence on how teams actually act in the draft, but I don't think it's zero influence. So, Stephen, where do you land on this? And again, it's a discussion. It is interesting that this is something that's been there, but it feels like a particular discussion has centered around Justin Fields in this draft for whatever reason that we all know this exists, but the discussion around Justin Fields has brought this issue to the fore.
0: I think the narrative of it is always worse than what it might actually be going on in some of these draft world rooms. Now, I'm not. Yes, obviously, like, what people are actually thinking and what they're actually going to say, especially in 2021 are two different things. There's probably some people in there who are still racist and still look, view black quarterbacks in a certain light, which doesn't make any type of sense because of everything Nathan just laid out there for you. But I do think the narrative always makes it worse. And the problem is I can't sit here and say it's, oh, because Justin is black this time because he didn't have a normal draft process where you go to Indianapolis and you've got that 45 hour media session where you're sitting up there, where those questions to Lamar were asked, Hey, has any team talked to you about changing the receiver? I think Jalen Hurts got that stuff as well. The black quarterbacks are athletes and white quarterbacks are smart. He didn't have to necessarily go through all that. So you can't just, the black quarterback thing can easily be, when, when, especially as a black journalist, for us, it can definitely be turned into a boy who cried wolf situation if we just throw that out there every single time somebody says something bad about a black quarterback. So I have to tread on that a little bit more lightly than you two have to, just quite frankly. So in this situation, it just seems like Justin Fields, there's always a quarterback every single year who ends up just being the butt of all the bad narratives, whether they're true, untrue, regardless of what it is. There's just a quarterback who gets all this negativity thrown at him. Justin just so happens to also to be that quarterback who is also black in this situation. And I'll give that benefit of the doubt, even though in the back of my mind, I know some of this is because he is a black quarterback who is also very, very athletic, but just as smart and can throw the ball just as well as all these white quarterbacks.
2: All right. So I'll, I'll end this discussion by saying this. I think we all agree it probably more is in the discussion than in the selection that it affects it. However, in 2000, now I'm going to lose track of my ears in 2017, white Mitch Trubisky, who's white, went ahead of Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. And people did not know what to do with Deshaun Watson. And the fact that he's black was at least part of that. You know, he was athletic, you know, he ran a certain kind of system at Clemson. They didn't know, right. They didn't, know how to evaluate him so i thought it i thought it did have an impact on the 2017 draft process which wasn't that long ago 2018 baker mayfield sam darnold josh allen josh rosen lamar jackson goes fifth Lamar jackson goes behind josh rosen josh rosen who was like turned out to be awful right the discussion around lamar jackson the nfl didn't know how to evaluate him they didn't know how to evaluate him You know who was also really athletic and a little bit raw in that draft? Sam Darnold, who had been like a linebacker and only played quarterback for like three years and was like scrambling out of the pocket and making off-platform throws. But like, you didn't know exactly what he was going to do in the pocket. Man, people thought he should have gone first. Lamar Jackson barely made it in the first round. Look where they are now, right? So in the 2018 draft, race was some issue. The NFL didn't know how to evaluate Lamar Jackson. Now I think because people are getting fired for being stupid, the NFL started figured out a little bit, right? Kyler Murray short. He he's really fast. He's also a really good quarterback. And they figured out, you know, yeah, let's probably take this guy one. And last year, I would say the guy who had the narrative that was most like Justin Fields last year was Justin Herbert. There was some stuff out of Oregon with Justin Herbert. I thought that people were like, oh, I thought like, was he a leader? Like he did. Did he do all this stuff? Justin Herbert's white. He got picked and he's, oh, he's awesome. He's awesome. But oh, by the way, like, you know, who's much more athletic than people realize? Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow can run. Joe Burrow can move. He has quickness. He'll run you over. Like he's a, he's an athletic dude. So I think the NFL is getting a little better talking about it and analyzing it. I think a certain type of, I'll say it old. I think a certain type of old analyst, closed minded analyst who started doing this 30 years ago and is still doing it now is still bad at it. And so those people, sometimes their words get out there. But I'll be curious to see. And, and now the thing is, this isn't fair, but it's like, oh, well, like, is this like a referendum on Justin Fields? Right. Like if Justin Fields is awesome, will it prove like all those people were wrong or if Justin Fields doesn't have a great career? Will it prove like all those people were right? No, it won't prove any of that. It's just it's just Justin Fields. Does he have a good career? Does he get in the right system? Does he develop? But but I hope it doesn't turn into that, that like Justin Fields is the proof. Because, you know, I mean, it does help. Here we are saying, well, Deshaun Watson was awesome. Lamar Jackson was awesome. People were wrong. At some point, you can't carry that burden. Like you're you're now representing every other quarterback like you. Right. Justin Fields just has to be whoever he is. But I do think the discussion in a lot of ways has been
0: unfair to him. You know what helps Kyler Murray? You you represent everybody that looks like you. Yes, you do. You're, you're black. You're a black quarterback. You have to. What helped Kyler Murray was Russell Wilson, short quarterback who was mobile and an improviser and could throw the ball down the field that helped him. So now at, you're saying they didn't know how to evaluate Deshaun Watson. They didn't know how to evaluate Lamar Jackson. Well, they knew how to ev- evaluate because we had seen just like him go win a Super Bowl and is now one of the best quarterbacks in the in, the, in, the, in the NFL. So. Look, whether this is just this is Justin's burden, but that Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray, they'll help Bryce Young if he's in this situation in two years where, you know, he's a short quarterback who's mobile and can do a lot of stuff outside of the pocket. Justin Fields is going to help DJ. He's going to help CJ Stroud or Spencer Rattler. This is how this works with black quarterbacks. It's not fair, and it should be that way where you represent everybody who looks like you. But when you're black and you get into these spaces, yeah, you do. You represent everybody that looks like you because if you mess it up, the guy after you doesn't get a chance.
2: No, you're right. And and I do think, I I think Baker Mayfield, helped Kyler Murray a little bit as a shorter quarterback, but I think Lamar, I think Mm -hmm. Lamar Jackson definitely helped Kyler Murray. Right. But it is, Mm -hmm. we do, there are attributes. Guess what? Race is not a trait. Race is not a quarterback trait, like size, speed, right. Instinct reading it. Like there's all kinds of things that are trait, but I do think, I think there are still like some evaluators in the NFL who would act like that's a trait. It's like, it's not a trait, man. It's like, what you do is a trait, not the color of your skin, but, you know, we know, we know, we know what's up. I hope the process has been fulfilling for Justin. I hope he has not been constantly frustrated since Ohio state lost in the national championship game. And that every day since then, as he's being evaluated, I hope he has not gone to sleep every night feeling like I'm being evaluated unfairly. And why is that? I, I hope he's enjoyed it. And I hope, he reaps the benefits of his talents and winds up in a good position. And I do think, as we talked on the podcast, there might just be some good quarterbacks in this class. And if he winds up the fifth quarterback off the board, he still might wind up in a really good place where he can succeed in the NFL. Nathan, wrap this up for us.
1: I was just going to point out, I, I read a quote from Quincy Avery, who everyone knows is a quarterback trainer. Justin Fields has worked with Dwayne Haskins, has worked with him. CJ Stroud has worked with him. So, And he he's done a lot to sort of bring black quarterbacks together and and try to help them and he had a quote that was something along the lines of um I'm gonna I'm doing this because I want it to get to a point where the worst quarterback in the NFL is a black quarterback because it's kind of going back to what Steven was alluding to and we see this with black coaches too like you don't really get an opportunity to fail you don't usually get that second chance to prove yourself a lot of times it's like one and done so I think that's we've obviously made progress because there's black quarterbacks who've been overdrafted too Dwayne Haskins being a a good example of that, but, uh, and there's also black quarterbacks who've gotten the benefit of the doubt. Jameis Winston had legitimate serious allegations against him still went number one overall in the draft. So there's been progress over time. No one is disputing that, but the conversation is still such in an obvious way that I think more progress needs to be made.
2: All right. Before we do get out of Justin, I want to go through, I asked the texters about, you know, where we're going to draft these guys today, but we had not asked the texters before the Justin podcast. But I sent this out. They voted before the Justin podcast to re- to reset on the Tuesday podcast. I had Justin go in six in a trade up. You guys both had Justin go in seven. Here's where the texters said they thought he would go. I-, I gave him a bunch of options. The number one thing of where Justin would go. There are still people holding on to the idea of Justin Fields going three to San Francisco. That won our tech survey. 30% of the people still think Justin Fields is going to be the surprise pick of the 49ers. Next was Atlanta at four, that they do take the hometown guy. I don't think a lot of people are going that way anymore. It's not impossible. That was 26%. The next most popular, number eight to Carolina. And again, there might be trade-ups to these spots, but it's where Carolina holds it. That was 12%. Number nine to Denver was 10%. Number seven. To Detroit, nine percent, I gave a range of 10 to 14. 16 six percent of the people voted that he'll be, 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 be between 10 and 14. Only three percent had him falling to the Patriots at number 15. and then 16 or later only two percent of the people said that that he would just absolutely plunge. So people you know we got more than half the voters him going in the top four. so we'll be curious to see if that actually happens. All right, let's catch our breaths. Let's take a break. Nathan has people cutting down trees outside of his house. If you heard like a ring, Nathan is not getting Texas Chainsaw Massacred in his bedroom. Ring,
1: yeah, Ring! Right? You're not dead. Are you guys hearing that?
0: I heard it. I heard it once. Yeah. A little should bit I of hurt. It?
1: Should I should I should I abandon yeah. my I just I That's I okay. I have been staying away from the window, but I just went over there during this little interlude while you were talking and obviously we have squirrels that live in these trees and there's like, you know, four stumps that branch off from this one tree and they've cut down three of them. And then the fourth one, there's like, there were like three squirrels that just realized what's happening and are now like jetting down the tree to try to get to safety.
2: Now I feel bad for those squirrels. Yeah. So, all right, so we'll take a break. We'll come back. I'm going to sneeze. We'll come back and start our draft. Everybody who's not just in fields, where are they going to go? We're going to predict it next time. Buck Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. We're going to do this. All right. We're going to use the texters as a little bit of a guide because I did ask the texters other than Justin Fields, rank these Buckeyes in the order in which you think they will be drafted. So we will go, we will put our guys on the board in the order that the texters predicted they will go off the board. So, but let's do this first. Nathan, who do you think the texters predicted will be the first Buckeye picked after Justin Fields?
1: It's interesting because there's a lot of guys who you're hearing little flitters about like, oh, somebody's got a first-round grade on so-and-so. But I'm going to take maybe this, say they went the safe route and say Wyatt Davis.
2: Steven, who do you think the texters said would would be the first guy up after Justin? Baron Browning. It is Wyatt Davis. Not by much, but it is Wyatt Davis. So we will start with Wyatt Davis. Does anybody think Wyatt Davis is a first-round pick? No, he's an interior lineman. No. All right. Let's start then. And I'm going to do this. I told the people, the good, uh, I told Nathan and Stephen I I might edit this because we don't want to have just giant things of me going pick 46, pick 47, pick 48. But I am going to start. I'm going to start at the first pick in the second round. Dane Brugler, who is one of the draft things we have, that we are referencing because he's from Ohio and he's, he's quite good at it. Dane by the way one two three had four Buckeyes going to Jacksonville did you guys give any kind of lean to Jacksonville in this draft process because Urban Meyer's there
1: I considered it for a couple of guys and I I think it did affect one pick for sure
0: it got one guy, yeah I got one guy picked who probably might not get picked
2: I think for, I mean, like Urban can't do his business that way. Right. That's not, that's not going to win you anything, but he does know some of them. Now, the other thing is some of the guys he doesn't know as well. Right. I mean, it's like, I don't, you know, I mean, he's been gone for two years now. I mean, there's just, you know, I don't, some of them though he was intimately involved in their recruitment and it could have some small effect. So we'll keep that in mind. It wasn't a huge influence for me, but keep it in mind. So we'll start with Wyatt Davis in, This top of the second round. Here we go. Just shout it out when you're picking him and the pressure of like, man, I I want, I want this guy. I better take him before someone else takes him does apply here. All right. Number 33, Jacksonville. Number 34, Jets. 35, Atlanta. 36, Miami. 37, Philadelphia. 38, Cincinnati. 39, Carolina. 40, Denver. 41 Detroit 42 Giants 43 Niners 44 Cowboys 45 Jacksonville you guys feeling that drama or what is this good podcasting or what or what,
1: <laughs> what if, <laughs> well the funny thing would have been if if Stephen and I had just gotten together before this and said just don't take anybody see how long he reads yeah. <laughs> numbers and names until he picks
2: <laughs>
1: man I had White
2: Davis going in the sixth round I can't believe I got him uh um,
1: 48 I, carolina what's going on <laughs> come on guys
2: uh, sorry wyatt you'll be okay 46 new england 47 chargers 48 raiders 49 arizona 50
1: miami 50 right here. washington
2: beep all right
1: who's that who's
2: who's I thought that 50 who was,
1: i didn't think 50 was miami though i have the wrong uh, i might have the wrong list of teams uh that i'm looking at the uh, wikipedia got the old wikipedia there who do you have for at 50 I had uh, Chicago at 50. Again, fantastic it's my, podcasting. Going yeah, it's,
0: I think it's Miami. I think you might be looking at It is at Miami. Somebody saying it's a trade. Somebody might trade.
1: That might have been what I got yeah. thrown off by. When do the Bears uh, pick again, then? The Bears pick at 52, 52. as it right now. Maybe that was just my mistake. Okay, keep so going. Just keep-
2: 50 <laughs> my- No, Stephen, this is your chance to jump in at 51. 50 Miami. 51. Again, <laughs> podcast awards rolling in. 51, Washington. 52, Chicago. 52, Chicago.
0: Before you go, that would have been so childish. I I felt like at 51, I I went, ding, ding, ding. (laughs) I wasn't going to take him here, but now that I know somebody else's draft strategy because we sent a spy over to another war room, we're taking him.
2: Steven Beans trades three future first-round picks to move up four spots (laughs) and take Wyatt Davis at 51. (laughs) All right, Nathan Baird, Wyatt Davis at 52, why?
1: So one of the things that I've read through the, the process is that teams think that White Davis fits well in a zone blocking scheme. The Bears are one of the teams that use that the most and they need offensive linemen. So they need a lot of things on the offensive side of the ball. I think they need obviously a quarterback first. And this is where, this is where it gets interesting because if they trade up, they will not have this pick almost certainly.
2: Yeah, it would depend how much into the future you could go. I mean, depending how high they're going, could they trade a future first and a future second and like beg to keep this pick? Maybe,
1: right? Maybe, but I see where if, you're maybe going if they're there. not trading up that high too, right? They could get away with something.
2: But this is also this is I mean, just this is, this is what you're talking about. I had the Bears trading up to get Justin Fields, so then this might not be possible. So, I remember, you know, when Wyatt Davis decided to come back for the 2020 season like twice right because like he could have just gone normally then he opted out and then unopted out um although that wouldn't put him in the draft but like you know as steven said interior linemen don't go this high but he was so good i thought in 2019 that it was like all right quentin nelson's quentin nelson number six overall pick to the colts i get that but like if you're that model like if you're a mauler right if you're like it just if you just destroy guys on every snap guards are important Wyatt Teller was incredibly important to the Browns this year. They're paying Joel Batonio a ton of money. Guards can be really important. If you think a guy is athletic, is a mauler in the run game, and has the feet to pass protect, like, you know, I, I think this is possible. And I think if he's going here, Nathan, he is one of the top, probably top five interior offensive linemen off the board. If he's going at 52. So like, I don't hate this. I'm curious what people think. Like, I don't, I don't know if Wyatt Davis is quite as good in 2020 as he was in 2019. I think he's a really good football player. So I think this is interesting. If the answer is no, just say it. But is this the first Buckeye going off the board for you after Fields? Yes. Okay. So you do agree with the texters that Wyatt Davis will be the first Buckeye after Fields taken. Steven, where did you have
0: Wyatt Davis going? I had him going to the Bears. I just had him going a lot later. Like 83. I think he'll still be there because he is an interior lineman. I think you can get better value for him if you get him in the 80s or even the 90s, even if he is arguably the best guard in in this class or second or third best guard. That's just how that position goes. I think he's a plug and play guy. He played right guard his entire time at Ohio State, but I don't see a situation where he couldn't move over to left guard if a team needed him to do that. But that's it. He's either a left guard or he's a right guard. It's not like he's a plug and play guy that you can put all over the offensive line. And so I think he falls a little bit because of that. And looking at a lot of mock drafts, he seems to be falling. He might have been a second, a lock as a second round pick as early as the end of the season. But at this point, he's kind of fallen because of you know, some of his limitations, but also he's an interior lineman. So I like the bearish fit. I just don't like where you took him at.
2: So, I mean, most guys can't play all over the line. I mean, like, right. of course you can move him to the left side. It'll be fine. But, like, I mean, he's not a tackle. He's played on a tackle. Mm-hmm. And he's never played center. I guess if you wanted to make him a center, I guess you could try to. But um, I had him going 88. I, so I did have him in the third round. Steven and I both have him in the third round. Nathan, you have him in the second. I had an 88 to the Rams. And guess why I had him going to the Rams. Cause Ford, he's Ford. from Los Angeles from Los and that's Angeles. the extent of my research. He's going <laughs> back where he's from. Wait till you see how many guys I had going back where they're from. Just cause it's like, I don't know.
1: Uh, I, yeah. We good. might have a couple of the same ones in uh, but mine was coincidental. Yeah. So we have him at 52, 83 and 88
2: Dane Brugler. And this is not why I did it. Dane Brugler also 88 to the Rams. So third round for Wyatt Davis PFF. Second round, 58 to the Chiefs. So much more like Nathan. And for PFF, he's the next Buckeye after fields. For Dane Brugler, he is not. He's the fourth overall Buckeye, the third after fields for Dane Brugler. And then Chad Reuter from NFL.com, much lower. 110, fourth round to the Browns. And the Browns, I do think, need to draft a guard who could fill in for Wyatt Teller because I don't think they're going to be able to pay him. So I do think that would be a reasonable pick for the Browns. That seems low to me. I think Wyatt, I mean, this guy's an All-American. He's a five-star recruit. He's a a two-year starter. He's impeccable from a character perspective. And I think he's like a really good football player. To me, if he gets to the into the hundreds, that would be a shock to me, even as an interior lineman. Like, I guess what's the difference between I picked him at 88 and I'm shocked if he gets to 100? I just think he's a top 100 player, Steven. Like, I I don't think that's Mm -hmm. too much to say.
0: Yeah, no, he's clearly a top 100 player, even if positions aside, if you just threw the that's why I like when they throw out the big boards as well as where they're taking him in the draft, because he's a guy who on a board might be the 64th best available player, even if he goes 88th in the draft. So he's clearly a top 100 pick, even if you don't at this point, you know, to see him fall lower than a third round would be a little bit ridiculous.
1: Something that affected my thoughts on him a little bit was looking back. Like you said, 2020 was definitely worse for him than 2019. But knowing what we now know about his 2020, how injured he was, I would say arguably he had a a tougher job also in 2019 as an offensive lineman, being between a less experienced first-year Josh Myers and Brandon Bowen than he was this past year where you're playing between in, in that scenario where between a more experienced Josh Myers and a better right tackle. Now I know he didn't have as good of a year, but it just made me think like, I think the le- the 2019 film on him was legitimate. And I think that'll maybe resonate with teams. I don't, I think I, when I put this list together, I thought I might be a little too high on Davis and I may be lower than you guys on some of these other guys, but I, I just feel like the 2019 um, achievements were real for him.
2: It's a good player. I think he's a, I think he's a eight year starter in the NFL, 10 year starter. I mean, this is a, when you draft, that's the thing with interior lineman When you draft an interior lineman in the third round, he's a starter, you know, like sometimes other mm-hmm. guys you draft in the third round might be a development guy or whatever. It's like, that's where you pick guys to start. So I think it's gonna be a good player. I'd take it. All right. Now we're going to guess who's next. So the texters had Wyatt Davis. They had a 2.25 in the ranking. So that's, you know, he's the number one guy, but he, you know, there, there was a lot of disagreement. Steven, who do you think the texters had next? Who's your guess that the texters, oh, wait, I forgot to do this because I'm doing this for each guy. Wyatt Davis, by the way, let's do this. Uh, Doug, be a better podcast host. I, for each player, I said, where do you think he'll be drafted? Second round for Wyatt Davis, 60% of the people said second round. Now, when I did this, I did, just gave by round. For the second round, I said first half of the second round or second half of the second round because I do think that's kind of a distinction. Then it was just first round, third round, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh. 36% said top half of the first round for Wyatt Davis. So off the board, by picked 48. That was the, the number one thing in the vote for him. 24% said the bottom half of the second round, which is where you would come in, Nathan. But overall, that 60% in the second round, 19% in the third round where Steven and I had him, 13% have Wyatt Davis sneaking into the first round, 5% in the fourth round, and the rest negligible. So people really think he's a second round guy. That's what our texters said. All right, Steven, who do you think's next? Who do the texters say is
0: next? I mean, I guess Baron Browning would be first, and he didn't, so I think I have to stick with that until he shows up. All right. So you think it's Baron Browning. Nathan, who do you think yeah. is next? You're on mute. I can't wait to no longer be. I able think it might be that. Browning.
2: You guys both say Browning? Yeah. yeah. Pete Werner. Pete Werner is at two point seven four, far above who's third. So Wyatt Davis was 2.25. Pete Werner is 2.74. Is anyone taking him in the first half of the second round? Wait, 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 wait. No. We have this like, well, Nathan, talk about the thing where the Jim Nagy from the senior bowl said he heard scuttlebutt about Pete Werner as a first rounder.
1: I don't, I just saw this on Twitter that, that he said that there are NFL teams that have a first round grade on Pete Werner and that he's somebody who could sneak into the end of the first round. Um, did he hear that from Pete Werner's agent? I don't know, but he's hearing it from someone. And he's also, I mean, the, again, from the senior bowl, sometimes those guys, he pumps up other senior bowl guys.
2: Correct. They pump up seniors and especially guys who played in our game. I think the fact that you texted that to the texters, which is valuable information, influenced them voting for Pete Werner. Probably. You okay. just say, well, someone, I heard someone said he might go in the first round. We don't have him going anyone in the top half of the second round. So I don't have to start there. If that's the case, I will start at pick 49. Let me get myself situated on where I think Pete Werner's going. Pick 49. Here we go. Just keep track. Cause I'm going to go fast. I'm not even going to say the teams. Okay. Be ready with where, you know, you are picking Pete Werner. Here we go. 49, 50, 50. <laughs> I'm literally just saying numbers now. I'm literally just, I'm not even saying informational draft things. I'm just saying numbers in a row. Again, podcast of the year. 49, 50, 51, 52, 53, 54, 55, 56, 57, 58, 59, 60. Can you imagine if I forget a number? Be like, Doug can't count. He didn't say 67. What's wrong with that guy? 61, 62, 63, 64, 65, 66, 67, 65 is the start of the third round, by the way. So no second round for Pete Warner. 68, 69, 70, 71, 72, 73, 74, 75, 74 74. to the Washington football team. Correct. 74 to the Washington football team. Nathan Baird, again, making the pick. Why?
1: I looked for teams that have been linked to linebackers in general, but then also specifically guys who can do both. I mean, guys who they think could – step up and be a a run support guy, but also have coverage skills. Uh, I think that should apply to most NFL linebackers, obviously. But, uh, you know, somebody kind of – I saw them link to him or other similar linebackers, guys who are kind of described the same way as as Pete Werner is described. So I sent him to Washington to play with Chase Young.
2: So that's in the third round. Texters, 70% of Texters have Pete Werner going in the second round. 43% in the first half of the second round, 27% in the second half of the second round, 70% in the second round, 15% in the third round, 8% in the fourth round, and 5% hanging on to that first round hope for Pete Warner. You got him at 74, Nathan. Stephen, where'd you have him?
0: 88 to the Rams. I think that's I, where
2: they're taking Wyatt Davis. We can't, they can't do what a decision for the Rams. between Wyatt <laughs> Davis and Pete Werner at 88. What a con.
0: Yeah. When you said that you threw me off. Cause yeah, I had, I, I think they're going to go defense there. I, I think their secondary is fine. I know they just lost Johnson the third to the Browns, but that's because Jordan Fuller showed you he was better than being a seventh round pick. Obviously you've got Jalen Ramsey back there as well. I think they need some versatility in their linebacker room and, Right there in the third round in the '80s seems like a good spot to go. And Pete Warner has played Will linebacker. He's played Sam. We've seen him give us all a heart attack when he was back there as a single high safety for a snap or two. He's a perfect match for them.
2: So I am going to, and I'm going to write about this before the draft. I'm going to end my time with Pete Warner doing what I did to him his entire career at Ohio State. And that's underestimating him. I have him going 112 to Detroit, which is in the fourth round. Chris Spielman played linebacker at Ohio state and he's helping their lines make their pick now. So there's my genius philosophy, behind Chris Spielman, picking Pete Warner and the Pete Warner in the fourth round, both Dane Brugler and PFF who like don't agree on anything. Both of them have Pete Warner as the first pick of the fourth round to Jacksonville. So that is one of Dane's Jacksonville guys. Chad Reuter from NFL.com has Pete Warner at 79 in the third round to las vegas i have i i have the jerome baker threshold that i call it and i just have a hard time i just thought jerome baker was such a good player here i thought he was such a good player here and he didn't get the best coaching and i think it affected him and he didn't have the the best last year at ohio state he was the 73rd pick in the draft and i i can't live in a world where Pete Warner gets drafted ahead of Jerome Baker. So Nathan, to your credit, you picked him one spot after Jerome Baker got picked in his draft. Jerome Baker went 73. As long as he gets past 73, then the door opens and you stormed through it and took him at 74. Nathan at 74, Steven at 88. I'm at 112. I'm prepared to underestimate him. I just think he's a very good football player. I don't know what it is exactly that would make somebody jump for him. Nathan, right? That's, It's always difficult for me when it's just like you're a good player, but what's your extraordinary talent that makes somebody grab you? Like I could see him being like on people's boards, like, oh, he's one of the three guys we're considering from like pick 70 on. And then he just doesn't get picked until the hundreds because every single time in every single draft room, they're like, we like him, but we like this guy a little bit more. And then somebody else likes a different guy a little bit more. And all of a sudden Pete Werner just falls a little bit I should be able to Joe Schobert was a productive linebacker at Wisconsin who got picked in the fourth round by the Browns and like was an all pro and a stalwart in their defense and was like a really good player at a good price for a long time. And then when it was time to pay him, they didn't pay him and he left. I could I could think of a worse comp for Pete Warner than Joe Schobert as a Big Ten linebacker, but he was a fourth round pick, even though he's a good player. So Nathan, but like, you know what I'm saying? That, like, I think mm-hmm. everybody likes him. I just don't know that anybody will like him enough to pick him
1: higher. I, I think that makes a lot of sense. And and also, like, just because, you know, whether it's true that some team has a first-round grade on him or not doesn't mean that that team plans on drafting a linebacker very early. And it, it, there's also such a thing as um, knowing that other teams aren't going to take him there and you can get the value later. Like, so um, I, I, I may be a little bit too high on him, too, but – um, there have been, even from not just recently, but going back to really the start of the draft process, there were a lot of people that we were seeing out there. There was a lot of chatter out there of of NFL teams really liking Pete Werner. So we'll find out this weekend.
2: All right. So, Nathan, who do you think is next from our texters? Who do you think they voted next? They had Wyatt Davis one, Pete Werner two. Pete Werner was at 2.74. I'll tell you, this player was at 3.53. He wasn't that close to Werner, but he was clearly ahead of the guy
1: that our texters have next. Who is it? You know, we've we've guessed Browning a couple times. I'm starting to think maybe right. we've thought about this all wrong. I'm gonna say Tommy togii Stephen, who do you think?
0: Yeah, I'm gonna go with a different guy this time. Sean Wade. You guys got to
2: get better at this. Now it's Browning. Of course it's Browning. <laughs> so you thought he was first, and now you think he's ninth. What, what is that? You literally said, Stephen. I'm gonna say Browning until it's him, and then you. I did, but I can't saying. be a.
0: I kept being wrong. And so it's like, let me take a different approach to this. And of course the one time I should have picked him is when he's actually there.
2: Yeah. it's, it's, It's Baron Browning. Does anybody think Baron Browning's a first round pick? No, no. All right. Let's start in the second round then. And again, I like to call this part. Doug says numbers. We will start with pick 33 to Jacksonville. Here we go. 33, 34, 35, 36, 37, 38, 39, 40 is Denver, 41 lions. Chris Spielman, Loves Ohio State linebackers, 42 Giants, 43, 44, 45. Urban again, Urban back around again at 45. Patriots, 46, 47, 48 Raiders, 49, 50 Miami. Put them next to Jerome Baker. 51 Washington, add them to the Ohio State defense in Washington. 52 Bears, 53 Tennessee, 54 Colts, 55 Steelers. There's all kinds of Steelers that get picked that pick Buckeyes and they play for their defense. 56 Seattle, 57 Rams, 58 Chiefs, 59 Browns, ding, ding, ding. Oh, come on. See, now you're mad. See, this is what the draft is like. You should have picked him earlier if you wanted him so bad. I just did my Browns mock draft that I just put up Tuesday afternoon, and I picked Baron Browning at pick 59 to the Browns, mostly because he has the word Brown in his last name. Again, what I wrote a whole column last year about Ezra Cleveland, who's from Boise State, and why the Browns might draft him because his last name's Cleveland. Do you know how much work I did on how many guys named Cleveland have ever played in Cleveland? Now, it does affect things a little bit that, like, the greatest player in NFL history had the last name of Brown, and he played for the Browns. So it's kind of like, all right, I get it, Baron Browning. He is, I think this, this, there's a couple different guys in this draft like this. They're linebackers who can be edge rushers. It's a nice little bonus. You can play them like a, on first and second down at linebacker. You can put them down as, at edge rusher on third down. For the Browns, I think they have Tack McKinley and Jadavion Clowney at that edge rusher spot this year. They tried this a couple of years ago with a guy, Jannard Avery, who was a fifth-round pick who was a linebacker who they also played at edge rusher. Like, it didn't work. It just got a little clunky. I'm not, I think they could try it again. I think Browning, you go through all the athletic testing. The numbers are through the roof. I think he's like Micah Parsons light. I think there might be a lot of teams that sort of are intrigued by Micah Parsons, like in the teens. And then they don't take Micah Parsons in the teens. Cause they're like, we'll take Baron Browning in the second round. So I do think there's some other guys here who could be like this Zabin Collins, I think from Tulsa is a little bit like this, although he's bigger than Baron. I think Jamin Davis from Kentucky is a little bit like this. I do think there's a range of linebackers who would have, sort of fit this profile, but I really do think because of that profile and because he's tested really well, and I think you see all the flashes on film and I'm going to imagine there are at least a handful of NFL teams that are going to Steven do what we say, which is we think he'll be a better pro than he was in college. And I know, Nathan, you wrote about that, too, right? That, like, that question hanging out there. Listen, good college player, not great college player. Could he do more? I think he is almost definitely going to go in the second round. I took him at 59. Steven, it sounds like you were in range of
0: taking him. I took him at 60. I was getting ready to say, woo, and then you stole him right from me. You stole my thunder. I think the Saints might go offense in the first in the first round just you know, to get Jameis some weapons. I think in the second round is when they go defense. And yes, everything you just said, he fits perfectly for that. He's a guy who can play inside because he spent some time at Mike linebacker. You can use him as an edge rusher. But then also last year he was their Sam linebacker. So he also has coverage abilities and he was pretty good at it. So, I mean, oh, He might not have been ever been the five-star number one linebacker in the country that he was when he got to Ohio State out of Texas, but he was developed to a point where he's a very serviceable linebacker, and I think he sneaks into the second round, especially after these teams saw his testing numbers. He would have been a star at the combine. He would have.
1: Nathan, where'd you have him? 67. So we're all in a similar range. I had him 67 to the Texans, another 3-4 defense, a team that needs help both at linebacker and at edge rusher. I really see 3-4 as being – the, if I was an NFL team, that's and I ran a three-four, which it's becoming more popular now. I think we're about half the league is running three-fours now. That's the kind of guy I would try to go get because I feel like you can tr- you can try him in a couple ways and see where he can best help your defense. That was kind of the point of what I wrote was that he may be a little bit of a niche player, but that may have enough high impact value that using a second round or early third round pick on him still makes a lot of sense.
2: The Plus Browns are not that. The, the Browns are not that by the way, at at this point in time, Steelers could be interesting at 55 Mm -hmm. in that range too. Steven, go ahead. Sorry about that. Plus you wanted to send him home.
1: Coincidentally, this was the one where he gets to go home. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So uh, our draft guys that were consulting Chad Reuter from NFL.com. Also the Browns at 59, not why I did it, but like when I saw that it it, it was nice to me to get a little confirmation on that. Uh, Dane Brugler 80 in the third round, 80 to Vegas, And then PFF, not as much of a fan. Carolina in the fourth round at 113. I think he's too good of an athlete to go in the fourth round. If you're going to tell me he's going to go like at 80 in the third round, okay. He is, there is too much upside. Like, I think he is a good football player with upside. I don't think he's going to bust out. I think he's going to help you. At the very least, he's like a special teams player and like a situational pass rusher who can also, right, as Steven said, cover a little bit but I think he's an NFL starter. I think he's a good NFL starter. Uh, Like fourth round does just does not feel right to me. And again, I'm saying that as someone who's taking Pete Warner in the fourth round. So I understand that I might be way off on Pete Warner. I just think the upside on Baron Browning is higher.
1: Well, and I also think we need to remind people that those PFF, the PFF doesn't do a mock based on what they think is going to happen. Kind of like we do. They base it on their grades. Like it's it, that's what they're, mock represents so I think it's a good thing to include here because it gives you a balance I think between of like here's what scouts graded over the course of his career and then here's what people think is going to happen based on draft you know positional fit and what they're hearing all that stuff like I, I think it's a good balance but we should just remind people that PFF is very married to its grades he also is my
2: guy who I think is the first Buckeye drafted after Justin Fields Steven, you picking him at 60. Is that true for you also?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think he's the only one in the second round. And then Ohio State really gets busy in the third and fourth rounds. Okay. So again, I had him at
2: 59. Steven at 60. Nathan at 67. Uh, The Texters, where did they have Baron Browning going? They had Baron Browning. Second half of the second round was 36%. Overall, 56% said second round. 56% second round. Thirty-two percent third round, so that's a lot of people. That's like eighty-eight percent in the second or third round. Seven percent fourth round, two percent fifth round. Two percent thinks he jumps up to the first round. So that's what we think about Baron Browning. All right, who's next? Steven, who do you think's next? Wyatt Davis was one, Pete Warner two, Baron Browning three, according to our texter rank. Who did they rank fourth? Fourth Buckeye off the board. Sean Wade. Nathan, what do you think? You're on
1: mute. I'm sticking with Togi.
2: It is Sean Wade. Cool. It was a significant drop from Baron Browning. Sean Wade's at 4.32, barely ahead of the guy behind him. So it was very close for the next Buckeye off the board, but it is Sean Wade. We will start there and let's talk about where the texters have Sean Wade going. Cause that'll influence a little bit where we're going to start our draft. of the people have Sean Wade going in the second round. Do we need to start our Sean Wade countdown in the second round?
1: No, I doubt it because both of you had had Browning getting picked almost into the third round and he was your first guy off the board. So,
2: okay. If I'm not screwing anybody up, we'll start it in the third round then. And we'll start that with the Sean Wade countdown and that is pick 65 to Jacksonville. Where is Sean Wade from, everybody? Jacksonville. Jacksonville. Mm, I wonder if that will affect where we think he will go. Here we go. Sean Wade, 65, 66, 67 to Houston, 68, 69, 70 to Philadelphia, 71, 72. Chris Spielman, does he love him at 72 in Detroit? 73, 74, 75, 76. 77 to the Chargers, 78 Minnesota, 79, 80, 81, 82, 83, 84, 85, 86 to the Jets, 87, 88. Ooh, and, 87. I was going to say, if you're hooing on 88, we're sending every single Ohio State player no, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. to the Rams at 88.
0: No, you I'm really busy in 87. the 80s. Yeah, I'm really busy in the 80s right now. Steelers, I, I think that's a really good fit. I think. His versatility, obviously, he's not going to be an outside corner. He's going to be probably a strong safety or a slot guy. But I mean, he can play outside. He's not a number one corner, but he could be your number two corner if you need him to be. His versatility in the secondary in the '80s is a perfect spot, which pretty much wraps up my Ohio State has three guys go between eighty and eighty-nine. Sean, what eighty-seven? Nathan, where'd you have him?
1: One hundred six to the Jaguars. I think it's probably. I think I'm probably wrong about that. I I, I hope I am because I think that that would be a mistake if teams let him get that far, but I just looked for a team that needs defensive backs period. And I think that gives him the flexibility to go in and sort of prove himself on his own merits without having to be pigeonholed into a position right away. Like they just need guys who can play and get on the field. And I think he helps an NFL defense. Absolutely. In some way. And then you've also got the urban connection there. So that if he were to to fall that far, I think urban's the, the kind of, Urban would step up and say, this guy has too much value to fall farther than that.
2: So I just think his tape last year wasn't very good. Mm -hmm. And I think that is going to negatively affect him, whether that's completely fair or not. And I have him going at 145 to Jacksonville because it's too easy. But I have him, Nathan, you have him as the first pick. Of the fourth round, I have him as the first pick of the fifth round. Jacksonville also has another fourth round pick at 130. So Jacksonville does have a lot of picks. They have enough picks that they can tell Urban, this one's for you. Urban, do whatever you want. Take whatever Buckeye you want here. I I swear I didn't do it because of this. Dane Brugler also has Sean Wade going to Jacksonville at 145. First pick in the fifth round. Sean Wade for PFF, 132 in the fourth round. To the Browns, and Chad Reuter from NFL.com has Sean Wade at seventy-seven in the third round to the Chargers. So that is one of the widest disparities: seventy-seven, one thirty-two, and one forty-five are the three mock drafts that we have Sean Wade going. I just, I just think he maybe can't escape some of that film, and he has some good plays too. I, I, I'm ready to be wrong, Randy, if you're listening. I'm ready to be wrong. Cool. I think Sean's a better player than that. But I think sometimes like it's a weird year. Sometimes like the, the bad stuff sticks out more when you only played eight games. Right now, we also know he had the game-saving pick six against Indiana. And sometimes, you know, the Penn State game, that guy's making one-handed catches behind his back when Sean Wade's trying to defend him. Sean Wade's a good player. And I think a year ago, if we'd done a mock draft a year ago, I think we might have had Sean Wade in the first round. So I'm ready to be wrong by having him as the first pick in the fifth round. But I just think I just think the tape might catch up with him a little bit,
0: Nathan. To be fair – oh, go ahead, Nathan. I
1: was going to say the tricky thing about the tape is it's tape of him playing a position that I don't think NFL teams are drafting him to play. Mm-hmm.
0: It, it's that, but then also I think he was dealing with some injuries last year as well. But, yeah, more importantly, I don't think anybody's looking at him and thinking, oh, that's going to be my number one corner. I think they're looking more at the 2019 film because that's what he's going to be.
2: Like a deep safety slash slot guy,
1: yeah. Nickel, yeah. I mean, there's. I think there's a lot of ways he can help an NFL defense, but I don't think it's as 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 an outside corner.
2: Which then gets into where do you take a, where do you take a safety slash slot corner? You take him in the third round, or is that positional value? Are there other are there other things you can fill first? Because like that's why I wanted to go outside because outside corners have more draft value right and then he went outside yeah. and he, he didn't help himself so i think that affects it too i don't think i think um, i think 87 to pittsburgh i think makes a lot of sense Stephen. like i i don't think he's gonna go like in the 60s and i don't think he's gonna be like you know the second buckeye off the board behind justin fields again justin fields is off the board so th- Behind Justin Fields, the third guy behind Justin Fields for Chad Reuter, the sixth Buckeye behind Justin Fields for PFF, the seventh Buckeye behind Justin Fields for Dane Brugler. So that's what we're talking about here. I think there's a wide range on him, right? I mean, I just think it I – think, I think 77 could be right. I think 145 could be right. I think he is a hard guy to get a handle on because I do think he has some really good film out there, and he has some not as good film. And Nathan or Stephen, you mentioned there might be some injury issues and that kind of thing. You're drafting him at a position that he didn't play last year. Now you're going back Mm -hmm. two years of film. And I I just, I think it could be hard to figure him out a little bit. So I'm ready to be wrong. Best of luck to Sean Wade. Go in the eighties and, and go out and ball out and show how wrong I was to predict you at 145. All right. Who's next? We have the texters taking Wyatt Davis, Pete Werner, Baron Browning, Sean Wade, Nathan, who's next? Who's barely behind Sean Wade.
1: Man, I'm just gonna keep picking Togiai. Steven? Josh Myers.
2: It's Togiai. Cool.
0: It
2: is Togiai <laughs> at 4.36. Sean Wade was 4.32. So again, that is right behind him. Does anybody have Tommy Togiai going in the second round? I don't. No. Oh. All right. So we will start again. Uh, we will start at the top of the third round with pick number 65. Let me figure out where I have him. Here we go. Pick 65 to Jacksonville and Urban Meyer, 66 to the Jets, 67, 68, 69, 70. There's no team in Idaho, so he can't go to his hometown team. 71, Denver, 72, 73, 74 to Washington, 75, 76, 77, Chargers, 78, 79, 80. 79. The Raiders have back-to-back picks at 79 and 80. You are sending him to Vegas, Nathan.
1: Yeah, and it could be like, you know either one of those. I, gave, I, I put it at 79 just because it – was higher, but um, a team that needs interior defensive line help and a team that historically, and maybe this is a tough thing to say because there have been changes in leadership there, but we saw last year with what we all thought was an overdraft of Damon Arnett, I, it's just a team that will take some chances, and I think a team is going to have to take a little bit of a chance on Togiai. But he obviously has some physical traits that he can really use to his advantage in the NFL. He's not that big. I've seen some other places. I've seen places say that he may be a three tech in the NFL and not be a nose tackle anymore. He's not so immense. Um, And that there are some other things that he needs to work on. And that, you know, Mel Kuyper said this, I asked him about him. um, It's been several weeks now, but that he sees him as a guy where you're maybe getting second round value when you're talking about a guy who's coming out early, that if he had another year of growth and development and everything, you may be getting him at a, you may be able to get him in the third or fourth round. Whereas a year later, you might be getting him. You may have to go higher to get him.
2: I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think the idea of Mike Mayak and John Gruden showed taking our net where they did last year, that they must like Ohio state film, right? I I mean, clearly over time, there are teams every now and then that sort of get connected to programs. Our net going that high to Vegas might be a little clue about how Vegas views Ohio state players. Steven, where did you have Tommy Togiai?
0: A lot later than that, I sent him 102 to San Francisco. They took a defensive tackle in the first round last year. And to the point of some teams have said, some people have said he might be a three-tech, plug him right in. I mean, if the 49ers have, I mean, they're going to take a quarterback in the first round. We'll see what they end up doing in the other picks. But I think at 102, they go defensive line, sure up that defensive line a little bit more with Javon Kimball. And then obviously you've got Nick Bosa there as well. So you've got two Buckeyes starting on a defensive line.
2: I had him at 97 to the Chargers in the third round, top 100 player, top 100 player, barely Uh, another tough one. I mean, I I don't know we keep saying that there's just uh, this whole middle group of the Buckeyes. You can look at a guy one way, you can look at a guy another way. Um, But I do think Nathan, you've talked a lot about how like, it's not a great defensive tackle class. So then it's one of those. All right. If the class isn't great, does that like help you or hurt you? But it might be like, well, I mean, if we want anybody that we think can help us at all, at interior defensive line, like we better take one because they we're gonna run out of guys soon, which feels like to me, maybe a reason you know, you barely have him out of the top 100, Steven, at 102. We have him between 79 and 102, but I think that's that's not that's to him not falling all that far because there might be limited options for teams.
1: I think that's a reasonable range. And if it is a weak DT class, I could see teams leaning towards upside over maybe an older guy who is more of a finished product or closer to his ceiling.
2: That is all the the first pick of the fourth round is one Oh six. So this is all of us putting Tommy Togiai in the third round, which is, I think that is kind of a little bit to me, a threshold for a guy who goes out early, you know, Brian Hartline went out with a year of eligibility and went in the fourth round and had a great NFL career. I think if you, if you go and you go in the top three rounds, I think you can feel good about it. I think if you go, And you're fourth rounder later, you might be like, hmm, did I make the right decision? And I just hate for guys to be in that situation. So, I mean, it's a middle school. Is there really a difference between going 102 and 107? No. But for the rest of your life, you get to say you're a third rounder, not a fourth rounder. I think it might be aesthetically a little easier for Tommy Togia to take. I think when he went out, Nathan, I think he thought he might be a top 50 player. I think he might be thought he might be like, I don't know that anybody ever thought he was a first rounder but I think maybe he thought he had a chance to go pretty early in the second round. We're all putting him in the third round here. I think it would be nice for him if he makes the third round.
1: Yeah. And again, like you said, it's it, it, when you're in that weak class, does that mean you can rise up or that people look at you and say, you're part of the weak class? I don't know. We'll, we'll find out.
2: Toki, I, you had him at 79 to the Raiders, Chad Reuter at uh, no, not Chad Reuter PFF 80 to the Raiders PFF liked him the most of other draft people. PFF, they have Justin Fields, obviously, first. They have Wyatt Davis and then Tommy Togiai. They have Tommy Togiai as the third overall Buckeye drafted at PFF. Uh, Chad Reuter from NFL.com. He had Togiai all the way down at 122 in the fourth round to New England. That makes him the one, two, three, four, five, six, the eighth overall Buckeye. Seventh Buckeye after Justin Fields. That's how different they are there. PFF has him the second Buckeye after Fields. Reuter has him the seventh Buckeye after fields. That is just a huge difference. Tommy Togiai, 118 to the Chargers in the fourth round. I had him 97 to the Chargers. Dane Brugler, 118 to the Chargers for Tommy Togiai. Again, we had him 79, 97, and 102. All right, we have Trey Sermon, Justin Hilliard, Josh Myers, and Jonathan Cooper yet to do. Let's take a quick break. We'll be back to draft those guys on Buckeye Talk. Doug is back with Nathan Baird and Stephen Means. We're, we You're okay, Nathan, right? Because we are here in the hinging. Yeah. <laughs> we catch a little bit of the hing.
1: Yeah, people can't see this, but every once in a while, I get up and walk over to my window because I see like a, a, a tree just sort of like dangling over, falling into my yard. This, these guys are fascinating.
2: If a tree falls on your house, I think that would save a podcast that at the moment is 21% just me counting. So no offense to your house. I don't want your house to be crushed. But it would be quite a live moment on a podcast. So I hope you and your family are safe, Nathan. But if your tree falls on your house, just like let us know. Uh,
1: and, and it's it's actually it's closest. The house, the room of my house is that is closest to what's happening is the one I'm in. So it might kill me, too. So fingers crossed. Is,
2: I, I, I did not say it was worth. I don't want you to die for podcast ratings. I just want your house to be crushed for podcast ratings. There's a huge oh, okay. difference buildings can be replaced people can't be all right who do we think is next honestly it's only it's a choice between trey sermon and josh myers nathan who do you think the texters have next up josh myers steven yeah josh myers josh myers at 5.73 so a big gap behind Togi at 4.36 josh myers at 5.73 does anybody have let me ask this uh, does anybody have josh myers going in the second round nope Steve or Nathan, you're good. No, Josh Myers in the second round. No. You do you love squirrels. Do you love squirrels? Like, are you worried about their health? I know.
1: you. Oh, said- I'm not watching. I'm not watching the squirrels. I'm watching the, the they have like just a a giant tree trunk that's just being uh, lifted up. And, and they, these guys just swinging around like it's nothing. Have you
2: ever operated a chainsaw,
1: Nathan? Yes. Was
2: it, did you operate it effectively? Debatable. Were you injured while you sign. were you injured while operating it? No. Did you chop something down or cut
1: something down while operating it? It was already on the ground. It was piecing out something that was already down.
2: But you cut you, it. you used it for its intended purpose to cut something into pieces. Why else would I have had a chainsaw? I just goofing around, just hanging out on a Saturday <laughs> in central Illinois. Not nothing else to do. Just running around with the well, chainsaw.
1: That's an accurate guess, but no. In this case, I actually was.
2: Well, that credit—I'll credit, I'll credit to you if you didn't hurt yourself and you effectively used it. I, congratulations for operating a chainsaw, Stephen. Have you ever operated a chainsaw?
0: No, because I grew up in the city. and We have things to do. <laughs> you can pay people to come do chainsaw things <laughs> yeah. in the city. That's, that's Chains- what I'm doing.
2: Chainsaw is where is one of the areas where like it is just not. I know people make it. People might say it makes you less of a man. It's just not worth it i mean it's just not my lack of skill in such areas it is just not worth it for me to even attempt it so no i have not operated a chainsaw which is so why we're so fascinated by that josh myers is up we're not starting in the second round because nobody has him there we'll start him at the top of the third round urban meyer ohio guy urban was here does he take him here we go with josh Myers, 65 jacksonville 66, 67, 68, 69 to the Bengals. They need offensive line help. 70, 71, 72, 73, 74, 75, 76 to the Giants. 77 Chargers, 78, 79, 80 Raiders. 81, 82, 83 to the Bears. Where Nathan had uh, the Bears already taken Wyatt Davis. They could take Josh Myers and keep those guys together. 84 to the Eagles, 85, Tennessee, 86 to the Jets, 87 to the Steelers, 88 Rams, 89 Browns,
1: 90 90, Vikings, 90 Vikings, 90 Vikings, Nathan Baird. Why? Again, just another team where looking around, it looks like they have a need for interior offensive linemen. This seems like a good range for him. You know, talking to the Myers family for something I'm writing, um, they said that they have absolutely no idea like it's it's a when you're in this range of the draft that you have absolutely no concept you know someone like even justin fields as much uncertainty as there is for him he kind of probably knows it's it's only to a certain degree which teams might be taking him in the first half of this draft or first half of the first round whereas with someone in josh myers situation it's It's like literally anybody you've talked to everybody, you've been evaluated by everybody and you don't really have any kind of a read on it. But um, this seems like a a, a strong read. Again, another guy who came out early and um, I know he'd been there for four years, but had another year of eligibility left and I think had to be convinced that this was the right decision. So assuming that people aren't scared off by the injury that he came dealt with late in the season this seems like the kind of range that would have convinced him to come out like a third round, range, Even if it's low third round, I think that's still a, a favorable position for him.
2: I had him at 92. So I was getting ready. I had him at 92 to green Bay taking over for Corey Lindsley, the longtime center for the Packers from Ohio state. He just signed a gigantic, gigantic contract with the chargers. They have a guy in green Bay. I guess who was a guard who they think they they're ready to move to center. I don't know that they have to draft the center, but You know, I'm just looking for storylines, man. It's all made up. So it's like, hey, Corey Lindsley, who was a fifth round pick, I think, worked out gangbusters for the Packers. It's like, all right, well, let's get this guy. So I do think third round makes a lot of sense. Steven, where'd you have Josh Myers?
0: 104 to the Ravens. I mean, they run the ball. He can go back to like it's high school again and just run the ball all the time. I don't know if he necessarily has to play center. In the NFL, I think he can move the guard. He can make the transition if necessary. I think that's a good fit. And 104, barely outside of the top 100, just like Tommy Togia. But all third round.
2: All third round for Josh Myers, which I think would be be like a good outcome for him. Let's check what the texters said. Third round, 34% said third round. So that was the leader. 34% third round. 23% fourth round. 16 percent second round 16 percent fifth round so that's a wide range but a third of the people think he's going in the third round and a wide range here from the draft experts dane brugler does it professionally as good as anybody out there who does it first pick of the third round to urban to jacksonville Dane Brugler does not have any Buckeyes going in the second round. He has Josh Myers as his second Ohio State player off the board after Justin Fields. That's how much Dane Brugler thinks of him. Not reflected on the other guys, though. Josh Myers, 138 in the fourth round to Dallas, according to PFF. And Chad Reuter from NFL.com has Josh Myers at 116 to the Giants in the fourth round. So, that's the first pick of the third round Two fourth rounders. We have them somewhere else in the third round. I, I feel good about Josh Myers being a third round pick. I think we are all in the right range here. I think he goes in the top hundred or whatever top one Oh four. I think he goes before the fourth round starts, but I don't think he goes like in the right at the top of the third round. I, I I really think, I really think we're all in range here. Cause I think this is the kind of spot where you start thinking about we're maybe picking our starting center for this year. Like it's important enough. Like we're not waiting to the fifth round for this guy because we think we're picking a starter, but it's an interior offensive lineman. So we're not taking him in the fifties. Right. So I I just, I feel good about this one, Nathan.
1: PFF is really down on him from a pass blocking standpoint from, if I remember right, reading their stuff, like they think he is so deficient in pass blocking that it takes away from how great he is in run blocking. I, I don't think it goes that far on him um and I, I think you're right i think this just this range makes a lot of sense it's a safe range to predict and i think it's a safe range for teams that are looking for someone like him because steven's right i don't think he's locked into just being a center in the nfl
0: that right. pass blocking is exactly why i sent him to, to the ravens you yeah have to do it as much
2: just just run people over and clear the way for lamar jackson and jk dobbins that yep. works for me that's a, that's good thinking accentuate what he does best and send him to like the number one rushing offense in the NFL, you know, or also he'd fit. If he likes to run the ball, Cleveland, they need, they need, they drafted the Browns drafted a guy in the fifth round last year, Nick Harris, who I think might project as the long-term replacement for JT Treader, but they have some expensive interior guys. Their offensive line is locked in for 2021, but they're going to have some choices to make down the line. for the Browns to take Josh Myers and say, we see him as a long-term replacement for Joel Batonio and Wyatt Teller at guard or JC Treader at center. Like if he gets into like the early fourth round or like late third round, I could see that. I don't think that's impossible for him to stay in the state of Ohio. All right. Next guy's up is Trey Sermon. I mean, it's it's clearly Trey Sermon that that the Texters are going to have ahead of Justin Hilliard and Jonathan Cooper. Trey Sermon, they have at 6.23. Josh Myers was at 5.73. And then the next guy's at 7.84. So Trey Sermon, clearly the next guy up. Does anybody have Trey Sermon going in the second round? No. No.
1: Nope.
2: Does anybody have Trey Sermon going in the third round? I do not. Nope. Okay. We then, now we're moving down a little bit. We will start then at the first pick in the fourth round. Does Urban, so like, so he's not an Urban guy. Right. So this is like a Buckeye that like Urban Meyer, I'm not sure Urban Meyer's ever met Trey Sermon. So we'll start there. Jacksonville at 106. This is where we're starting Trey Sermon. 106, 107, 108, 109. 110 to the Browns. Maybe uh, a little backup help for Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Number 111 to the Bengals. 112 to Detroit. 113, 114,
0: 115. Ooh, Cowboys. 114, like that. 114. 114 to Denver. It, running back was hard because this isn't the best running back class after you get past Travis 18 and Najee Harris. And so he might be the fourth running back, third running back taken off the board. No, I, I think Javante Williams would be that. He might be the fourth running back. He might be the seventh running back taken, but I think this is a solid spot for him as a guy who showed us he can be explosive when he decides he wants to hit holes and not dance in them. But at the same time, he'll he might dance in some holes and might not be the best of a running back. So I think a solid pick here where maybe you don't rely on him for every single down. He's not a first and second down every single time back, but he is a quality option here for the, for Denver. I think you make a very important point, Stephen, in sort of like how he
2: slots into this draft. I think Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, and Javante Williams from North Carolina, I think consensus are clearly the top three guys. I think it's possible Trey Sermon's next. I mean, you'll find people who say, ah, oh, I'm ranking my top five running backs, and they'll have Trey Sermon fifth. Like, there's not right? Like there's just the top three are pretty obvious and then it gets mushy. And then again, what does mushy mean? Well, we were not sure. So you better go get your guy. Or there's so many guys who are similar. You let them fall. I don't know. 114 to Denver.
1: Nathan, where'd you have him? 161 to Buffalo. And I was, it's tricky because I'm looking at teams that have a stated need for running back. But if, you know, if, if, if they decide to jump and get one of those three guys, then they're not taking another running back later, I don't think. And so that's where you come in. Like if Buffalo makes a play for Travis Etienne early, they, so that's what's kind of up in the air is like the teams that really need running back, it, it's hard to maybe match this up need-wise because the ones – but at the same time, this is also the position in the NFL right now where I feel like people really look for getting great value – as for starters, pretty late in the draft.
2: And that's, I think it becomes interesting because like, right, you're not taking him in the first three rounds, I don't think. But there could be like a rush on him in the fourth round, right? Because it's like, all right, well, nobody takes running backs in the top three rounds because the value is not there. But could he start for you? If you think he has a chance, I don't think he's a starter. I think he might be part of a two-back system, which a lot of Mm. teams do. And he karate kicks people like in the head with his foot as he runs just naturally. He just has that karate kick action that scouts love. God, if I hear another scout talk about karate kick action, oh yeah, yeah, they can't stop talking about it. Like when you're looking upside for a guy, right? There's some questions about him. You're not exactly sure, but it's like, okay, if you're going to take a running back, if you're a team that says, you know what? We probably should try to take a running back in this draft. Fourth, fifth round. Wouldn't you take him? His film, his top end film has to be better than a lot of other fourth round running backs. Now, you could watch the beginning of the year when he can't find a hole to save his life and say, okay, well, I don't know about that. But you know what? If you miss on a fourth or fifth round pick, like it's not the end of the world. Teams miss on those guys all the time. But you might get something here. Like you might get something. So like when we talk about like, are you just a good football player? But what's extraordinary about you? What makes a team pick you? I think Trey Sermon has a couple of plays that will make a team pick him. Cause it's like, well, why are we taking this guy? It's like, did you see this? Let me show you. Let me show you some Northwestern film. That! That's why we took him. I had him 137 in the fourth round, which is a pretty good spot because I'm sending him. To the Super Bowl champs, and I don't know what Leonard Fournette's doing in Tampa, but he's old. I don't know. Like Ronald Jones is fine. It's like, hey, Tom Brady. It's like Tom Brady's like, hey, who are we taking the fourth round? It's like we took a running back who karate kicks people in the head. Tom Brady's like, cool, man. See him. I tell him we'll see him at the boat party. Like, could, I mean, like it's like, oh, Trey Sermon's rookie year. How was Trey Sermon's rookie year in Tampa? It was like, eh, it was like kind of okay just kind of average. And then in the NFC championship game, he ran for 259 yards and kicked four people in the head. And now he's Tom Brady's best friend. I could see that. Right. That
0: might be a perfect scenario for him going somewhere where, you know, they're going to throw the ball and you don't, you're not at all the focal point. And then all of a sudden he just gets to be the, the thorn in your side when you know, you think you've neutralized a passing attack. Nope. Trey Sermon's here to play He's running for 12 yards per carry out of nowhere after having a total of 75 yards through 17 games in the regular season. And everyone's going, what is happening here? Oh, he was a fourth round pick. He did this last year at Ohio State, too. I was like the linebackers just like I was, I was trying to
2: cover Gronk all game. And then, like in the third quarter, this running back karate kicked me in the head. I don't even know where he came from. He was like a fourth round pick. I just like, right. That's the kind of thing, right? Not pressure, not, not every down back 14 carries a game. Trey Sermon, like in the fourth quarter, Trey Sermon was like, oh, I'm just getting started, man. Everybody else is exhausted. He's jumping on people's shoulders and doing backflips off of them. I just think like, I I can see him like early fourth because like people are like, all right, there's some upside here. Let's roll the dice on this. This is a good time to take a running back. All right. So we had him at, 114 to Denver for Steven, 137 to Tampa for me, 161 to Buffalo for Nathan. All right, let's do. I will we'll listen to the Texters. Who did the Texters say do next? The Texters barely, barely said do Cooper, Jonathan Cooper, 7.84, Justin Hilliard, 7.99. So we will do Jonathan Cooper. Now listen, Justin Fields is getting picked. That's 1, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. That's eight guys we've talked about so far. The Buckeyes are having at least eight guys picked in this draft. These last two guys, I think, begin the range of like, I don't think it's a guarantee that Jonathan Cooper and Justin Hilliard get picked. And by the way, we're not doing tough Borland. We're not doing Drew Chrisman. We're not doing Blake Hobiel. We'll talk about them at the end. If anybody thinks they're going to pick, I don't think it's assured that these guys get picked, but certainly... A lot of people are projecting them to get picked. So we're going to do it. Does anybody have Jonathan Cooper going in the fifth round? I do. Okay. So we'll start there with pick 145 to Jacksonville. Here we go. 145 Jacksonville, 146, 147, 148, 149, 150, 151, 152, 153, 154, 155, 156, 157, 158, 159, 160 to Arizona, 161, 162, 163 to Washington, can go play with Chase Young, 164 Chicago, 165, 166, 167, 168, 169 to the Browns, 170 Jacksonville. Woo! Oh, uh, here we go.
0: Here we go. Urban <laughs> One seventy. You said it earlier uh, uh, that urban might take some Buckeyes. I think this is where he gets his, here you go, urban. We're going to give you one. Cause they do have a ton of draft picks. It's their second to last pick in the draft and the fifth round. Typically you get an invite to training camp pretty safely. Um, so I think Jonathan Cooper earns that much and he's a lot. I mean, whether you think the talent is there or not, That's a locker room guy. And, you know, Urban is big on stuff like that. And so why not throw a bone to a guy that, you know, is a two time captain and, you know, is a positive influence in the locker room and is going to bring at least that much and give him a chance. And this is a perfect spot for Urban to be able to do that. This is Jacksonville's next to last pick
2: here Mm -hmm. in the fifth round that they are limited late. So they have this is their second fifth round pick. They don't have a sixth rounder. And then their last pick is 249 in the seventh. So they do not pick between 170 and 249. So if Urban actually wants Jonathan Cooper, he probably has to take him here because he's maybe won't last till 249 that late in the seventh. Stephen means you did some work on this one. There's like nine things that play there that make me think this could happen. One of them being Dane Brugler agrees with you. Dane Brugler, pick 170 in the fifth round. Jonathan Cooper to Jacksonville. Uh, Let's see. Jonathan Cooper, 149 in the fifth round to Cincinnati, according to PFF. And Chad Reuter in the sixth round, 223 to Arizona for Jonathan Cooper. Nathan, where did you have him?
1: I had him to Urban as well, but at that two forty nine pick. I feel like that last pick in the fifth round, because they don't have a sixth round pick and because they need help so many places, I don't think they would be taking just a a, a hometown flyer on him or a uh, you know what I mean, like uh we're doing you a favor here. That that makes more sense in the seventh round, where a guy that you might think otherwise would be a UFA, you get to take him there. And I the things Steven is saying about Jonathan Cooper from a character standpoint are true, but only if you actually get on the field, I'm a little concerned that they were talking about him as an outside linebacker coming out of pro day. I don't know what that's about. That yeah, does not, not seem big. Yeah, yeah but he... is he fast enough to be an outside linebacker in the NFL? Does he have all those fluid. Coverage skills to be an yeah. NFL outside linebacker? It seems like he might be a guy who could be stuck without a spot, a position in the NFL. I think that's
2: a good point as well. I do think, I think the point Stephen's making, I don't think it's a favor to Jonathan Cooper. I think it's like a favor to Urban Meyer sort of of like, listen, like Urban Meyer is trying to tell people as much as like, I don't think they're going to take five Buckeyes. If Urban Meyer is trying to tell people, they got Carlos Hyde in free agency, tell people what he's trying to do. It might help even if they're young guys to have a couple guys who lived it right and that Jonathan Cooper, as like the ultimate teammate, as the ultimate leader. Now, listen, he's a rookie, he's a sixth round or fifth round rookie or seventh round rookie. He's not going to go in and lead the Jaguars. But I think that Urban Meyer would believe, well, like a guy who's good in the locker room, that helps us win. That helps us win as much as some random fifth round tight end. That helps us win as much as some. Number, you know, our sixth best cornerback who's going to run down and cover punts, like Jonathan Cooper is going to help us win. So, you guys both have Coop to Jacksonville. I'm all in on both of you being Coop to Jacksonville. And you know what? Maybe like they don't take him in the fifth round and then they trade up into the sixth round to get him, right? And it's in between you two guys. I can see that. So, it is a pretty wide range. It's just weird. You know, they don't have a sixth round pick, how things happen that there's such a gap between 170 and 249. I do myself. Lean more on the back end of that. I have him 245 to Pittsburgh again. Dick LeBeau is not there back in the old days when Dick LeBeau, former Buckeye, was the defensive coordinator for the Steelers, and he hasn't been the defensive coordinator there for like seven years. I mean, you could just write in a Buckeye every year to the Steelers. It was like, oh, Thaddeus Gibson in the third round. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Doug Worthington. Oh, yeah, yeah. Cam Hayward. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Ryan here Yeah. I mean, it's like that's what he wants. So, I don't know. Cam Hayward is a great stinking guy for Pittsburgh. He's like the heartbeat of that team in a lot of ways. And it's like, hey, you know who like Jonathan Cooper kind of reminds me of? Now they're different players, right? I mean, Cam Hayward's a better player. He's more of an interior guy. Mm -hmm. But you know who Jonathan Cooper like reminds me of the way he handles his business? Cam Hayward. So like, if we're going to give, hey, we're giving a pick to Urban. Why don't you give a pick to Cam Hayward? Let Cam Hayward make the seventh round pick for the Steelers and say, get Jonathan Cooper here. I do think he'll get picked. Now, I do think you can, you can have him too high, though. PFF 149 to the Bengals does seem high to me. I think he is just like a little bit of a – I don't want to make this sound dismissive. I, like, I think he's a little bit of a try-hard guy. Like, I know he was like a borderline five-star prospect. I just don't know that I saw like a ton of fantastic talent this year – which was like really the college year where he broke out and did stuff. I thought, you know, he, he had a bull, he, you know, he's, he can rush a little bit, but he didn't get home a ton. Right. Like it was more with him. It often is more about the leadership and that kind of thing than the absolute like stud on field production. I'm with you, Nathan, the idea of like outside linebacker, really? Like, I don't really see that. off that would make like another team take him in the fifth round. But like the, the idea of like Urban in the fifth round, I completely buy. But like if they don't take him in the fifth round, I just don't know who else is going to be like, oh, we got to get Jonathan Cooper because like fifth round, to your point, Nathan, about like it's not a giveaway pick. Fifth round, especially for a bad team, that's still a player, right? I think the fifth round is the end of that. To me, sixth round and seventh round is more rolling the dice and sixth round and seventh rounders get cut all the time, right? But fifth rounder, you're, you really should at least make that practice squad and stick around for a while. And even if you're not a starter, you should have a way to help that team. So if he's not going to urban, I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sold on Jonathan Cooper having enough to be viewed as like a, yeah, this is definitely a roster guy for us, which is why I'm a little apprehensive about a
0: non-urban fifth round. Stephen, go ahead. I think because of who he played with during his career, we got a real good look at what Jonathan, exactly what Jonathan Cooper is. Right. It's not like we we, we cover. <laughs> Purdue, and it's, oh, he's a pretty solid player. He was a top 50 recruit. He developed in the well. It's, okay, yeah, you're a top 50 recruit who also played with two number two picks in the draft. Another guy we think might be a first-rounder, another guy who might sneak in the first round with Tyreek Smith and Zach Harrison, and now Jack is on his way to play with him. But when you, Draymond Jones was a teammate of his, Damon. when you played with the guys he plays with, you get a really good sense of exactly what level of a player he is, because we saw everything on the hierarchy for what a defensive end in the NFL looks like.
2: We all have them getting picked. We all have them getting picked. So that's good for Coop. I think, I think that's it. Now it's one of those things. Again, I mean people always say, I remember when tyvis Powell didn't get picked and it's like, once you get into the seventh round, it's like, man, maybe you rather wouldn't wouldn't get picked and you get to pick a team yeah. rather than a team picking you. You can look for situations. You know, Tyvus was on the phone with his agent. They were trying to figure it out. I think he wound up going to Seattle and playing with those guys. So like, I, I get that, but also, you know, what's fun getting drafted. You know, I mean, it's like, You might even understand the idea of like, you know what, frankly, it might be better for my career to not go in the 240s, but I kind of want to get drafted. (laughs) So we all have Jonathan Cooper getting drafted, which given what he gave the Ohio State Buckeyes in 2020, what he did for what wound up being the second best team in the country, I hope it happens for him. I think he has been a, I mean, he's the block O man. He originated the thing. He has a legacy at Ohio State that if this block O thing's here for a hundred years, they're going to be looking in the digital hologram media guide saying like, man, Jonathan Cooper was the first guy to wear the block O, right? Like that's kind of a cool thing. That's not by accident. They picked a special guy to do that kind of thing. And Jonathan Cooper was that guy. So I think in the end, he got out of his Ohio state career, something special, right? He had a special last year when it didn't look, necessarily the whole time that like that was going to happen so i hope he gets this next step which is being drafted in the nfl justin hilliard's the last guy the texters by the way on jonathan cooper i think i forgot to say let's see where they have them uh, because undrafted was an option how many people had jonathan cooper undrafted before we wrap this up undrafted eight percent so people believe in this sixth round was the the winner on this sixth round, 26%, seventh round, 24%, fifth round, 23%. So basically a toss-up between round five, six, and seven, which is kind of what we arrived at too, because we got a fifth round pick. We got two seventh round picks. We could see it in the sixth. They're very divided there. Justin Hilliard is last. He's at 7.99. Cooper was at 7.84. So people pretty close on them, how they viewed them going in the draft. Justin Hilliard, does anybody have him going in? I got to check myself. I got to figure out what pick I have him at. Does anybody have him going in the fifth round? No. Justin Hilliard? No. All right. Let's start in the sixth round then. Sixth round starts at pick 185 to the Chargers. 185, 186, 187, 188 to New England. One eighty eight. Interesting. He's a Bill Belichick
1: kind of dude. Why, Nathan? It's exactly what I was thinking. That that's is, doesn't this seem like the kind of guy who goes to New England and he's you know nobody believes in him, including us, I guess, a lot of the time. And uh, but is is somebody who is impressed more than I think we expected in terms of draft grade and things like that, and someone who could go there and have like some kind of great special teams career too. You know, be a guy who has a, a big long time role with them. I think this it's the kind of reach that only maybe New England would make in the sixth round. Once upon a time, the Ohio State Buckeyes had a player
2: that an agent told me before the draft was probably going to get picked. And I was like, what? That is, he is not going to get drafted. But I wrote a story about him anyway. Thought it'd be a nice little story. And in the 2012 NFL draft, in the sixth round, at pick 197-197, The New England Patriots drafted Nate Ebner, who had never played a snap of defense in his life. And like never did play a snap of defense in his life and went to New England was one of the best special teams players in the NFL collected Super Bowl rings. And like was everything that Bill Belichick wanted in a player. So Nathan, if you're telling me that you nine years later are projecting and Nate, uh, Nate Ebner no longer plays for the Patriots. I think he signed with the giants. If you're telling me that, the Patriots, nine years later, are going to draft the guy out of Ohio State who's like the kind of hardworking guy that you want on your team that you expect might never play a defensive snap for you but is going to be like a special team stalwart and be the kind of guy you want on your team. And that's your – oh, so that's your reasoning? Oh, I'm Nathan Baird. I think Bill Belichick's going to pick. I mean, it's uh, it's great. Congratulations. You, you've sleuthed it out. I love it. I don't even know if <laughs> you're I going I to- pick- Do you know who Nate Ebner is, Nathan? Of course.
1: I've written I've I've written posts about Nate Ebner, but I also and that was somebody I had in mind as I was thinking through this. But I also think Justin Hilliard could play backup snaps at outside linebacker. Right. But if you are a
2: backup outside linebacker in the NFL, you better be good at special teams. You are like a a primary special teams player. Correct. You are a heart and soul special teams kind of guy. So that's what makes that make sense. I mean, listen, again, it's one of these things. We love the Justin Hilliard story last year. He just didn't play that much. I mean, he really didn't. I know he had three veteran guys ahead of him. He didn't didn't play that much. So I think it's possible that he won't get picked. I think it's possible. But you picked him at 188 to New England. I had him at 193 to Carolina because I had him going to Matt Rule because Ryan Day is telling him, listen, man, you got to take this guy. I'm telling you, he's exactly what you want. You're in your second year at Carolina, Matt, you're trying to build something, you're trying to build culture. This guy will bust it for you, he will be a great special teams player. I'm telling you, man, this will pay off for you, this will make sense. So, like, again, a little bit of a connection, Steven. Did you have Justin you're getting picked?
0: I did, and I promise you, I didn't do this on purpose, but now I wish I would have. <laughs> I had it at 197 to the Patriots. <laughs> are just all over. What?
2: I mean, I can't wait for the, the drama, the drama of the sixth round with whether the Patriots will pick him at 188 or whether they'll pick him nine sp- spots later when they have their other sixth round pick.
0: The thing is, I didn't realize that. I, I knew Nate Ebner was a late, obviously a late draft pick. I didn't realize it was 197 until you said it. And so I'm looking it up. I'm like, oh, man, that'd be perfect that'd be so oh, perfect wait. i didn't even know i was saying it. i didn't even know the patriots had a pick at 197
2: when i said that are you serious you're picking him at the <laughs> nate ebner spot
0: yes i didn't know i was doing it at the time but you yes. i didn't know you were doing it either i didn't that'd be wow. beautiful that would be beautiful
2: they can perhaps <laughs> nate ebner make the pick they have all these special people make the pick nate ebner who now plays for the giants makes the yeah. pick for the patriots to pick
0: justin hilliard he's from hilliard Justin's last name is Hilliard. Oh, my George God.
2: It's like a movie. Oh,
0: I should have planned this better. I didn't realize this that is, at the time. That this is, is going to awesome. be draft day two,
1: the next, the <laughs> sequel. Yeah.
2: <laughs> oh, man. It's, it's 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 just for Netflix. No, I mean, if you're making a movie about a special teams guy, it's not going to theaters. That's yeah. okay. That's okay. Bill,
1: That's okay. Bill um, Belichick's got a little card that he takes to the draft with him, and it says, a special teams guy at 197 from Ohio State, no matter what. <laughs> Doug hasn't seen the movie. So he doesn't know, but,
2: Oh, you know what? I bet. I bet. I bet Justin Hilliard had a boatload of people at his birthday party. What a swell fella. <laughs> I bet um, so. What a story for Justin Hilliard. I mean, a year ago, if you would have said, Oh yeah, we all think Justin Hilliard's going to get picked in the NFL draft. Like, like it's, it's amazing the way he rejuvenated his career. Now, like it's, it's tough because the story is great he does fit like a very specific role right but you know like i don't i don't know if he's guaranteed right i i, I don't i don't know if it, if it's a 1000% that that he gets picked right like i i could see just because cuz listen i don't know what the medicals are like but this guy's biceps like he had such serious injuries, which derailed his career. I I think it's certainly possible, not that we know anything about this, but that he just got to the medicals and it was just like, man, we just, nobody can take him. We'll bring him to camp as a non-roster guy, but we can't use a pick on this guy. Right, Steven?
0: Yeah, I think the one good thing is they are upper extremity injuries, even if they are as extreme as these biceps have been throughout his career. It doesn't necessarily affect him, you know, his ability to run and do all that stuff because it's an upper extremity injury. But, yeah, that that just might be too much for a team to, to even take a chance on, even with a seventh-round pick where you're not guaranteed anything. And I thought about that as well, maybe even sending him to the second round and, you know, sending them back to Bill Davis. But that's just too much punishment for any Ohio State linebacker I have to deal with. So I, that might just be the case you get that medical rap sheet and it's like, ah, that's just too much. Even if he was quality towards the end of his, when he finally got healthy.
2: Yeah. I do think like a guy like uh, Johnny Dixon who had Mm -hmm. medical issues, his whole Ohio state career and then came back at the end of his career and like had a great 2018 season. Right. And it was like Johnny Mm -hmm. Dixon, Paris Campbell and Terry McLaurin. But then when it gets time, for the draft. It's like, it, it was just like, it was just too much. And Paris Campbell went in the second round and Terry McLaurin went in the third round and Johnny Dixon didn't get drafted. Now he got on a roster. He went to camp with the Texans and he, I think he hung around for a year or two, but I, I think that could be possible too. Cause Johnny Dixon gave Ohio state everything he could give them. He helped them win in 2018. He helped them be the number three team in the country. He absolutely was instrumental in their success but when push came to shove at draft time, it was like, man, like nobody could pull the trigger on it. Mm-hmm. So I do think so. Hilliard to me, I have Hilliard going ahead of Cooper because I have Hilliard 193, Cooper 245. If you, if I had to bet, right, one of these, who's more likely to get picked? I might pick Cooper though, because I would leave open the possibility of Hilliard's medicals just like
0: sabotaging him. You're nodding, Steven. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. At least with Jonathan Cooper, it's just like you could take a flyer on him and maybe he turns out to be better than you thought he was. But with Hilliard, you just, that's too much money at stake that and that type of medical history to take a chance on somebody. But if the medicals are, cl- are clean enough
2: that like that's not holding him back at all, then I think Hilliard as a linebacker, whereas Cooper's a defensive end who might play linebacker, I think Hilliard probably can help you more on special teams.
0: Better prospect than for Cooper. sure.
2: So then he becomes like if the medicals are good enough, then I think he's more valuable than Cooper potentially in the draft, right? So we just don't know what the medicals are.
0: Almost a steal if if the medicals are anywhere near where you're willing to take a chance. You gotta remember this guy was a five star recruit, the number thirty five player in the country. That talent is there. His talent is not why he's in this p- position where he is now. It's because his body kind of gave up on him right there. Because if I'm on, on signing day, I'm pretty sure if you'd have said Justin Hilliard's gonna be a top fifty NFL draft pick, you all have been like, yeah, of course. Duh, it's a five-star number, 35 player in the country. So, yeah, if, if the medicals are clean enough, you might get a steal on this kid in the fifth or sixth round.
2: So let's talk about where uh, the Texters had Justin Hilliard going. Do Is there any chance that the Texters thought that, like, or the Texters thought that Justin Hilliard maybe wouldn't be picked? Let's see. Justin Hilliard, sixth round, 27%. Fifth round, 24% seventh round, 17%, fourth round, 16%, undrafted, 8%. So they think it's more likely, twice as likely that he goes in the fourth round compared to not getting drafted at all. But the sixth round for Justin Hilliard won the day with 27% of that. Justin Hilliard uh, was picked by two of the three uh, draft people we've been talking about. Justin Hilliard, 251 to Tampa Bay for uh, Dane Brugler, Justin Hilliard, not drafted by Chad Reuter of NFL.com. And then Nathan, the, the, what to me has been one of the most inexplicable things. And we know PFF does things a certain way. One of the most inexplicable things of, of the draft season that I just have not wrapped my head around Justin Hilliard by PFF third round, number 82 to Washington. They have just been all over this guy PFF the order of players they have picked after Justin Fields. And again, Nathan, to your point, they're not predicting. They're saying like what they would do. They have Wyatt Davis, then Tommy Togi, then Justin Hilliard. They have Justin Hilliard ahead of Pete Warner, Baron Browning, Sean Wade, and Josh Myers. And there's just like no part of that that I understand. So I think we have to just chalk that up to like PFF kind of being on a wild hair a little bit, right?
1: Well, I don't want to like disparage Justin Hilliard. I think part of it, though, is like, okay, he comes in and they grade him out really well for when he comes in, but he's never been a real starter. He's never had to play, like, starter snaps. I think you would learn a lot more about a guy who had to make those plays deeper into a game. Now, I will say, I mean, but later in the season, he did have to do some of that, and he really stepped up and had some great games very late in his career. So I maybe those he was already someone that they were grading really high in his sort of um, his backup performances. I remember last season looking at those numbers and then we got into like the big 10 championship game. And then you just sort of have a game where you get to be out there for a full game and just sort of blow up. Maybe that just, um, you know, verified what they previously thought. I don't know, but I, I, it still seems just very, very high for him, especially when you consider the medical history.
0: To that point, his last four games, Michigan State, Big Ten Championship, and then the playoff games, 41 snaps, 62 snaps, 34, 55. But before that, he played 13 and 26 and did not play. And then obviously in 2019, his big snap game was against Wisconsin. He, he always does something really well in those games and has a big play, but you have to remember that's one game and it's not a lot of snaps because he did have an interception against Wisconsin in 2019, but he also played for like 30-something snaps, and it's because they played four linebackers all game.
2: And when he had to play, he played so much in the big 10 championship game because Baron Browning missed the big 10 championship game. Right. And I think like everybody kind of said like, well, he he was as good as Baron Browning is. And like, I think Baron Browning going to go in the second round. And now I'm saying it's crazy to have him project in the third. I just think the accumulation of the, the how much film he has the medical issues. I just, I just don't know. I, I think it is a little bit of a stretch. I mean, he, as long as he played in college and again, age matters a lot in this, like, He's been around a long time. They're not going to take a guy that age in the third round who like only kind of was a half starter for one year. So, but I do think it he can help a team if he's clear. Um, Nathan, we didn't talk about Tough Borland. We didn't talk about any special teams guys. I don't think there's anybody else, but we just don't think Tough Borland's going to get picked. And we didn't want to spend 10 minutes on the podcast talking about how we don't think Tough Borland's going to get picked.
1: I mean, it just seems like a really kind of stereotypical, almost UFA candidate in some ways, right? Like a guy that that some team will want to to take a look at and see if there's some kind of a very worst, you know, practice team role for him, practice squad role, and someone along those same kind of Justin Hilliard lines, maybe a, a special teams contributor and backup guy.
2: Let me talk about somebody that actually would be an oversight if we didn't talk about. He's just not in the mix, it feels like, in terms of having people predicting him as getting picked, but I think Luke Farrell's an NFL player. And Mm -hmm. I don't know if you take a guy who's like kind of primarily a blocking tight end. I mean, like maybe he doesn't get drafted and most people aren't predicting him to get drafted. But like if Luke Farrell came off the board in the sixth round or the seventh round, like I wouldn't be shocked, Steven, I I, I wouldn't be like, what's going on here. Like, I, I think, I think that guy can be, I mean, a lot of teams carry a third tight end. Most teams carry a third tight end. Sometimes you can carry a fourth tight end. If he can help on special teams and that kind of stuff, maybe at least be a practice squad guy. I I think Luke Farrell could be on an NFL roster in 2021.
0: I do too, but I think the teams he could make are limited. It might only be four or five teams, but because of of what he is where he can be used. And so, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if it was a seventh-round pick Where and then he ends up just getting a camp invite, but he doesn't make the the official 53-man roster as a practice team player. But because it's so limited on how many teams that would need to use that specific style of player, it's just hard to have anything more than that of a conversation with him. Nathan, Cam Johnson was a guy
2: who wasn't picked as a punter but is now a a punter in the NFL, uh, is a reliable guy. You know, you've got to be really special as a kicker, or as a punter. There's like only one or two at each position who are picked each year. Do you think either Blake Hobiel or Drew Crispin has a chance to play in the NFL?
1: Play in the NFL? Um, maybe. Not, yeah, not get drafted, but like, yeah, play in the NFL. You know, Hallbiel is an interesting guy because the way that kicking is at the college level, um, we use a lot of words about him that are like, you know, reliable, and you know, talk about you know, you had good range into the 40s or whatever. But then when you start to measure him against, there's only 32 guys in the NFL who do this job. It doesn't look as special. Like you have to be like insanely accurate usually at the college level, and and really show some boot, some 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 depth on on those kicks. And so, and especially with it, just bad timing for him on some injury things. So. I, I, I don't know if he, he would probably have to grind it a little bit to get that opportunity. Chrisman, I think, might be closer. But, again, it's just a tough gig, man. It's like there's only 32 of them at any given time. And and with, with kickers, they're, they're quick to, like, move on. So you might get a – he seems like a guy who would bounce around to at least when somebody's failing early in a season. You know, Blake Hobbill is going to get a tryout with whoever. They're bringing in three guys to compete for a job to replace whoever's not getting the job done. I could see Chrisman getting on a roster, though, and, and being a punter.
0: I think Chrisman will be on a roster. That guy swung some momentum in some games during his career here. And he, I mean, he won them a game. I think he's a little bit more consistent with it. And it's while well, with Blake Cobb, I think his career long is that 53 yarder he had against Northwestern. That's pretty, I mean, NFL kickers make those pretty standardly. Cam Johnson, I thought, was
2: a. Significantly better punter than Drew Chrisman here. And Cam Johnston yeah. had to work a little bit to get at, and then proved himself. But I I always thought Cam Johnston was an NFL punter. I'm I'm not quite there with Chrisman. Just to shout out Dane Bruegler because he's so good at this. He has Luke Farrell as the number 23 tight end in this class. He has up until the 19th tight end, he has a possibility of that guy getting picked. So he has Farrell as a free agent but he makes him sound like a guy he thinks could stick in the league so I will not be shocked if Luke Farrell gets picked but I think it's most likely I think 10 so, so if it's if no no Farrell no Borland no Chrisman no Hobbiel but Hilliard and Cooper do get picked that's 10 there's 8 guaranteed guys and then Hilliard and Cooper would make it 10 so I if I had to guess I think 10 Ohio State Buckeyes will be taken in the NFL draft which is pretty darn good all right here's the plan No Thursday pot ruminate on this a little bit, right? Listen to this on Wednesday. If you don't get it all done, listen to it before the draft starts Thursday night. We will then come back on Friday and talk about where Justin Fields got picked. Maybe we'll do that really late Thursday night and have it up at 5. AM Friday morning. I think it's more likely we have that discussion like at nine or 10 o'clock in the morning on Friday. And we get that pot out to you around noon I would expect that expect that on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, that we will wrap up the first round, then day two, then day three, by talking about it in the morning and getting it out to you early afternoon. So early afternoon Friday, we're talking about round one Thursday. Early afternoon Saturday, we're talking about day two, day two second and third rounds on Friday, which are going to be super interesting for Ohio State. That'll be a really important pod to listen to on Saturday. And then Sunday, we'll wrap it all up with everybody who was picked on Saturday. So if you're used to getting that pod like at 5 a.m. that it's there when you wake up, there will not be a pod there Thursday. There will be no pod. And then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, it may be more like afternoon than morning. Hang with us. We'll have fun. We hope you enjoyed this. If we nail any, that's all we're going to talk about on the podcasts that you're going to hear on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. If anybody nailed anything, we are going to gloat like you wouldn't believe. So get ready for that. Thanks for listening to our draft preview breakdown. Make sure you listen to the Tuesday one about Justin Fields, read cleveland.com slash OSU for all this draft coverage. And then if you care about NFL stuff, just go to cleveland.com because the drafts in Cleveland. So we're going to have stories from news people about what's going on there. We're gonna have a lot of Brown stuff. If you care at all about that stuff, it's a good time to go to cleveland.com. Thanks to you guys for listening for Nathan Baird and Stephen means I'm Douglas Maurice. And that was Buckeye Talk.